It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Oh, indeed. I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. What is going on? It's Josh Kirby. We are back. Another edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast on this episode we will talk about what some people are calling the nfl game of the year we'll go into the matchup between the vikings and the bills then we'll break down the commander's win over the philadelphia eagles plus my interview with candy waller of seawall sports and entertainment for more analysis of the Commanders and Eagles NFC East matchup as well. And to wrap things up, the Hurry Up Offense brought to you each and every week by Barrett Pest and Termite Services. Make sure you find us on all social media platforms and www.kirbyonsports.com. Let's get this episode rolling. Coming up next, the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Once again, welcoming you to the Kirby on Sports podcast. We're going to bring in Carlos Martinez, the Swiss Army Knife, starting this show off um, with a somber note. Um, Tragedy struck the University of Virginia and the Virginia Cavaliers football team as a senseless act as a former Cavaliers football player. opened up fire on a bus claiming the lives of three UVA football players. Two others are in the hospital as we speak, claiming the lives of Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. This happened about a night ago, a night or two ago, after a charter bus coming back from D.C. to Charlottesville, an awful tragedy that we just cannot expect in just last week. I believe last week or the week before Lavelle Davis had a receiving touchdown for the Cavaliers. So very shocking to hear the news out of Charlottesville, Virginia. I listened to uh, Tony Elliott's press conference today. Just Prayers, thoughts going out to UVA, Charlottesville, and the affected community, the players, families. It's a tragic time in UVA uh, football, Charlottesville, and our thoughts and prayers right here on, on the Kirby on Sports podcast go out to UVA and UVA football. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I got nothing else to add to that. Yeah. No, it, prayers. yeah. I, mean, it, it, I didn't know if you had any thoughts. So I got, I, I got nothing else to add to that. Also, we just don't know enough yet about what happened. It's still very, it's still in the early stages of trying to figure out a motive or whatever. So right now we just don't have any answers just right now. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and those affected and with just the whole UVA community. That's it. It's just crazy how a football team can overcome something like this. And there wasn't any announcement about whether they're going to play. They have two more matchups against Coastal Carolina. They're going to play. Like, let's be honest. Kirby, let's be honest here. They're going to play. They're going to play. uh, Listen, if they play, it's and- not if Kirby, they're gonna play. These these players are gonna want to go out there and play. We know we've seen the story yeah. unfortunately too many times. So you know, these guys are gonna want to put on a performance for their fallen teammates and um to really as a way, like as a you know, as a tribute to them. So it it's not a question of you know it, it's not a question of uh are they it's they're going to play, like we know they're going to. But such a senseless tragedy claiming the lives of three UVA football players, our thoughts and prayers, go out to UVA and Charlottesville. Once again, I'm Josh Kirby. This is episode 168 of the Kirby on Sports podcast with my partner for the day, Carlos Martinez, the Swiss Army Knife. You know, I think my I should be considered the new lead contributor at this point because Dan has been flaking on us. And you know what, Dan? I don't appreciate this flaking, okay? Are we not cool enough for you anymore? Is this what it is? So I am now lead contributor. So I need all these advertisements changed to lead contributor Carlos Martinez, the Swiss Army knife, instead of uh, Dan Dembski from now on. <laughs> I have played down my gauntlet. The The undisputed champion has spoken. I, I, I can't wait to see how that conversation goes uh, over off air later tonight. Well, you know what? <laughs> if Dan wants, he can get these hands if he wants them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dan. We miss you. We miss you, Dan. Can't wait for you to come back on the show eventually. Well, Carlos, l- l- let's just dive right into it. And people are already claiming this not me. is the game of the I'm year. Not. I'm not. And you're not. You, I'm you're, not. You're off the table about it. it. It was not the game of the year. In it's the not the game of the year. I I don't think we've seen the game of the year yet because we haven't finished the, the year yet. Yeah, but it, you know how the media is. It's like, yeah, this, like oh, get, this is the game of the year. Amazing game. Do not get it twisted. Like this game was wild. This game was vastly entertaining. Um, I just don't know yet, right? Like we just don't know because who's to say that we don't have an epic matchup in the playoffs? Who's to say we don't have an, another more epic matchup later on in the season? We can't call it the game of the year yet. Is it in contention for sure? 100%. There's not many games that are in contention for game of the year. This is for sure one of them. This was a great, exciting game. Wild ending. It it was exciting for sure as the Vikings defeated the Bills in overtime. A lot to discuss here. But after this overtime loss, and I, 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 I don't really know what to say about this yet, but I've seen some rumbling on social media that the bills and their stock are going down a little bit because of this loss. And 
if the Bills can't win games like this and, jo- and the Bills can't perform in overtime, I mean, I know it's still early, Carlos, but what are you thinking initially after seeing the Bills lose this game in overtime? I mean, yeah, for sure their stock does go down, but I don't think it goes down a lot. I think we've seen the Bills at their at their best, and we know at their best they are for sure an unstoppable force. Um, I think right now Josh Allen has really, you know, he hasn't played, like let's call it what it, what it is, he hasn't played well the last two weeks. You know, against the Jets, he threw very boneheaded interceptions. You know, here, you know, he can't even make the, the simple snap exchange in the end zone, uh, you know, after uh, an epic goal line stand by the Bills defense. And then you pretty much, you, you know, the, the game is won at that point. All you have to do is just get it out of the end zone. Um, yeah, I mean, my thoughts are their their stock has definitely slipped, but I don't think it's slipped to a to a far point, right? The, like the Bills had this type of midseason lull last year too. Remember, they the it's not as if the Bills were the one seed last year. Like they're not, you know, you know, they're, they're a great team, but you know, Josh Allen has to get back to doing what Josh Allen has like does best. And he has really kind of reverted back to that quarterback who would make these boneheaded decisions like what he did against the Texans in the playoff that that one year where he's trying to, you know, lateral the ball, you, you know, just trying to make a play, even though all he had to do was just go down and and they'd be fine. And then instead he tries to lateral it and he turns the ball over. You know, he made some really dumb decisions uh, yesterday and you know what I- I'll tell you this man Justin Jefferson man has really I think this is this was a huge game he was pretty much non-existent for most of the game but in the biggest moments he showed up and he made some crazy catches and he made some very clutch catches and he was basically unstoppable on that last drive and you know for the Vikings their stock has definitely gone up because now they've beaten a real contender. And not only did they beat a real contender, they beat him there. They beat him in, um, in Buffalo. So you answer my next question. I was going to ask you about the Vikings and their stock. This is an eight and one team in the NFC North. And I feel like the Vikings aren't talked about enough. They're not talked about because they're not necessarily winning impressively. You know, every game has been a one possession game. They, it seems they, they play either down or up to their opponent's level, right? Like the only, the only game they didn't really show up for was that Philly game, right? Where Philly just completely destroyed them. But you, you know, like think about last week, uh, you know, they, they, who did they play? They played your Washington commanders and Washington had them dead to rights for the most part. And then they had to make a comeback, you know, Buffalo, you got to say, is leagues above, you know, you you know, the commanders. But yet Minnesota still struggled against the, you know, the commanders and had to make a comeback uh, in that game. But then in in this one, like and even in this game, they had to get a stroke of luck like they got lucky. Let's be a little honest here. The Vikings got 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 lucky. But sometimes that's the story of of a team season. It's you know, to win a Super Bowl, you need you need a, a little bit of skill, 
you know, a lot of physicality and you need also a lot of luck because it, you, you have to, you, you, some things just have to kind of go your way. And for the Vikings, this game went their way. It shouldn't have. The Bills should have won this game. They had it won, but hey, th- this is why you play the game. And yeah, I mean, for me, Viking stock has for sure gone up. But f- the reason why they're not talked about is just they, they just don't win very impressively. You know, they win these crazy close games, but they haven't had that like statement like we are just a dominant, like we're, we're just dominant force. Like if they would have blown the Bills out, oh, they would be, you know, like, their their like hype meter would go through the roof, but because they 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 basically escaped with one, you know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one thing. You were talking about uh, a stroke of luck there. That one handed catch by Justin Jefferson. Just how in the world? How in the world? That that was a crazy I mean, kind of the, catch. The NFL now we see one handed catches all the time. I mean, no, no, none of these catches has impressed me as much as the Odell catch, you know, that he's, you know, was scored. Oh, yeah, conference. yeah. You know, nothing will beat that because he did that with three fingers, you know. So to me, like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it don't get, don't get it twisted. It's an impressive feat, but I'm not like wowed, you know, because I'm just like, now we see this all the time in the NFL. Like, everybody's making one handed catches. Both quarterbacks had one passing touchdown and two interceptions. It was more a running attack for Minnesota. And Josh Allen had 84 yards um, rushing in this game as well. But Stefan Diggs for the Bills, he put up 128 uh, rushing yards for the Bills. And Justin Jefferson, 193 um, receiving yards as well. So, I mean, man, th- this game, it just seemed like it was the Bills game. but some mistakes there like you said yeah they i think i think the bills might have been smelling themselves a little bit too much lately you know and now look where they are now they're sitting they went from the one seed to the six seed that's how competitive the afc is right now like you can't the bills have to get and i i hope this is a wake-up call to the bills you know they they have to get it it's not guaranteed. I think the problem is, is that everybody's been talking about the bills as if it's a foregone conclusion, they're at least going to be in the AFC championship game and that they're inevitably going to clash with the chiefs, right? That it's the chiefs, it's the bills, nobody else. Right. And I think maybe they started feeling themselves a little bit too much. And right now they're Oh, and two in the division. They haven't beaten any of their division opponents. Um, so as of right now, like I'm, think the jets and the dolphins are in front of them i think they're the third team in they're in third place on the afc east so it's just like it's not a given and now they've given up ground to the chiefs the chiefs are now in possession of the sole number one the chiefs have a pretty easy schedule the bills have a little bit of a tougher schedule they still have to play the dolphins again they still have they have a couple tough games coming up and for them it was kind of imperative that they get home field advantage for the playoffs that way if that clash with the chiefs does come up in the playoffs it wouldn't be at arrowhead it would be at buffalo's stadium Look, looking at this bills team and seeing how they lost carlos mm-hmm. what do you think they need to do to get back on the winning track i already said i already said what it is it's it's josh allen Josh Allen has to get back to playing smart, efficient football. 
being that be, being that dude again, right? Being the league and being like a league MVP because right now he's not even in the conversation with these past two games, right? Yeah, right now I, it's Patrick yeah, Mahomes is to lose. He's I think Patrick Mahomes is by far in the lead to be the league MVP, you know, with what he's doing with the Chiefs. But you know, I think Josh Allen, he's su- like we know we know it's it it's it's him and Mahomes. We know they're the best, but I don't, I really truly wonder how badly that injury is affecting him and his elbow. But at the same time, a lot of those mistakes were really dumb mistakes that he made that really boneheaded mistakes that he just needs to clean up. If Josh Allen gets back to playing efficient, smart football and just making incredible plays, the bills are fine, right? The, 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 They'll, they'll be right back to where they are. It all starts and ends with Josh Allen. And if Josh Allen's playing bad, the whole team is playing bad. Absolutely. Uh, lo- looking at this game, though, I mean, still, it looked like receiving was pretty good. But still, I, I don't really think Kirk Cousins had that great of a game. I mean, he threw for almost 400 yards. but he No, but it. in the biggest moment, he showed up. Absolutely. Right? That, but... The like the consistency wasn't all there. If but that's the Kirk Cousins experience, you know it better than most. There you go. Him being your quarterback, you know the Kirk Cousins experience is he's he's pretty he's an inconsistent guy. There are times you really you're like okay, like you see it right. You see why they're why like teams continue to pay this man what they pay him, and then there are times where you're just like where he's just going to make the dumb, you know, two interceptions, right? Like this is just the Kirk Cousins experience. But I mean, this team is just so well balanced right now that like they don't need Kirk Cousins to be the end all be all. Yep. It's an, it's an eight and one Vikings football team. Um, Looking ahead just briefly, I believe they play the Cowboys next week. That might be a very, very interesting matchup to watch. We'll see what we'll we'll talk about the Cowboys later, but yeah, we'll, we'll we will. But looking we'll at happens. and then the Vikings play on um Bills. Thanksgiving Day too. So no, no, the Bills play on Thanksgiving, don't they? Or is it the Vikings? The Bills and the Vikings. Who the Vikings play on Thanksgiving? Patriots on um Thursday uh, yeah. night. Okay, cool. So. The schedule seems just by glancing at it for the Minnesota Vikings slightly favorable, except for that Cowboys matchup, because that could go either way, in my opinion. But just looking here, I could see the um, excuse me, I could see the Vikings losing one more game. But if this Vikings team, if Kirk Cousins can be a little bit more consistent and not the typical Kirk Cousins experience. I'm not surprised if the Vikings go out there and win a playoff game and get a pretty high seed, but that could be early. We are already in week 10, but still I could see the Vikings making a surprise run, but who knows? Maybe in the next couple of weeks, they'll just lose out and not make the playoffs because we all know the Kirk Cousins experience, but I mean, just- who's to say? I mean, who's to say? I mean, the problem here's the, but the difference being is that I think the Vikings have very competent coaching now. I think Zimmer was just not the right guy to lead this type of team that we saw last year. And I think 
this year they have a guy who really understands the offense, who knows how to utilize Justin Jefferson in a way that really puts him more like more as the focal point of the offense. And then also Dalvin Cook being able to stay healthy and play his physical type of football really, you know, also really helps uh, wearing down these defenses so that they can win these close games. Here's the thing. The, at least we know that the Vikings are never going to give up, right? Like, you know, they, they've proven that, that they can play in these tough games. I think that's the thing that we have to take. I think that's another thing the Bills have to kind of look at is in these type of games, the Bills always come up short. They came up short against Kansas City in the playoffs. They've come up short against Miami. They came up short against, um, I guess, the Jets last week. They came up short in this game. Just like lately, that's been what it is. Like if it comes to a close game and, it, you know, the Bills have to learn to get over that hump of closing the game out. And even if it takes overtime, they have to be able to, you know, finish finish the fight. I agree. I absolutely agree. But an exciting matchup because the Swiss Army Knife does not think it is the game of the year. Do you have a idea of what game could be the game of the year? Just I, I literally already answered this question, Kirby. I told you I don't know. <laughs> We no, haven't just finished saying, the year. I know, but I'm just saying, looking down the schedule, is there a matchup you I, are again, eyeing? That I don't know. We have not played the whole season. We have to play the games in order to pick a game of the year. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know if you wanted to make a prediction or not, Carlos. I'm That's not all. making no predictions on game of the year. <laughs> game of the years just happened. None of us predicted that Chiefs-Bills was going to be that wild as it was last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the Vikings... Over the Bills, 33-30. to 30. There is so much more to come right here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. We'll talk about the Commanders and Eagles on Monday night coming up next. And later on in the show, my interview with Candy Waller of Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Stick with us right here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. For sports fans living in condominium and homeowners associations, as well as business professionals, when you need a reserve study, PM Plus Reserves has been in business since 1990. Their studies are accurate and easy to understand. Check them out when your association needs a study, www.pmplusreserves.com. You can also contact them at 703-803-8436. Once again, www.pmplusreserves.com. All right, Carlos. It's time to it's time to celebrate because the commanders, well, we thought it was going to be a massacre here, but they march into. Uh, no, 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 no. Correction. You thought it was going to be a massacre. I made no such prediction. No. Well, yeah, I thought, but, you know, you, you know how it goes, you know, just the commanders. Well, considering what happened in the first game, I understand. Yeah. They march into Pennsylvania, undefeated team on Monday night, and beat them. The, yeah, that's our that's our motto. The legend of Taylor team. Heineke continues. Amen to that. The legend of Taylor Heineke who risks his body by taking a late hit to win the game because of the trash Eagles defense who shows no respect. 
not playing, but um, that that was just a nice little troll to all my Eagles fans listening out there. But wow, what a game! What a game! And I'm sure you'll be touching on the officiating. Um, later I'm not gonna on. touch on. You can touch on that. <laughs> no, well. I, I mean, I don't really touch on officiating much, but I saw some questionable calls. I'm just going to say that. And you've beat the horse down on this one, Carlos, that the officiating needs to improve in the league, so on and so forth. But uh, for the most part, the commanders, they stuck with a balanced offense. They did not shy away from the run. They did not go too pass happy when the first uh, pass w- worked and was effective. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like last week in, uh, against Minnesota where they would do three straight out of empty set. They had some trickery. They had some stuff up their sleeve. Nothing mm-hmm. too fancy, though. But they had the right game plan in place, and they did not shy away from that. So hats off to Scott Turner and Ron Rivera for doing that. Defensively, the D-line stood strong. The secondary at times, not the best, but credit to Jack Del Rio, the defense is starting to improve more and more. Hats off to Brian Robinson. He was a physical runner running back Mm -hmm. in this game, 86 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Gibson, 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, Taylor Heineke rushed for 10 yards, so not a lot on his feet. But the one potential game changer was that interception Taylor Heineke threw. Obviously, Taylor Heineke is going to have the one boneheaded pick every game, but Still, the team rallies behind Taylor Heineke, and this game was just really, really good in terms of the commanders. For the Eagles, I saw they made a lot of mistakes in this game. Um, mm-hmm. like defensively, penalty standpoint, but yet there was a missed face mask. I mean, it was clear as day. Yeah, it was clear as day. No, nobody else can say that. That That is a pure fact that that face mask call was missed. Mm-hmm. And it resulted in a fumble recovered by the commanders. But if that penalty was called, if some of the penalties in this game were called, then we might be talking about an Eagles win and they're staying undefeated. You know, mm-hmm. that's just how the penalties I feel in this game could have changed the momentum in this game. I saw a um, Jahan Dotson offensive pass interference. I, I, I That was kind of questionable in my mind, but, you know, it, I mean, I don't really sit down and just blame the officiating for everything, but, I mean, it, it looked like there was some contact, but not a lot, not like a forcible pick or something of that nature, if you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah you know, that too. But um, Taylor Heineke, for the most part, except for that interception, the decision-making was really good. Still able to get outside the pocket. And and I forgot, forgot to mention this also. There was a high snap that Tyler Larson just bombed over his head. And Taylor Heineke retrieves the football and steps out of the pocket, throws the ball Past the line of scrimmage, avoids an intentional grounding call, 
that that was pro that was the biggest heads up play right there because you're looking maybe third or fourth. I, I forget which one it was. It was either um third or fourth and like 25, maybe, if not 30. So a big heads up play there for Taylor Heineke. I like the decision making there. Terry McLaurin got in eight receptions, 128 yards. Curtis Samuel great as a running back. They use him as wide receiver and out of the backfield too, which I really like. Um, and Antonio Gibson, three receptions, 14 yards. Dotson only had uh, one reception for 14 yards. And Logan Thomas, two receptions for 12 yards. But just looking at the beginning of this game for the commanders, it was the way the game started out, a penalty and then a strip sack fumble, the Eagles recover and score right away. It's like, this is sort of, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is how the game's going to go. And we're going to get just driven into the ground. But the commanders went rush, 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 did not shy away from that game plan. And that's why I think the commanders had the slight advantage in this game moving forward, but the Eagles made some penalties as well, made some critical errors in key moments. And Nick Sirianni said that. So it, it obviously it, it was a great win. It mm. was a hundred percent, a great win. You saw everybody partying in the locker room. Chase Young didn't play, but he was partying like he had four or five sacks, but the commanders have sort of, given other teams a blueprint on how to sort of stop this Eagles team mm -hmm. who was soaring high and fly high into the sky undefeated, the commanders handing them their first loss, but it could potentially be a blueprint on how teams can go out and beat the Eagles for their second, third loss. But it was a competitive football game. Um, it's still, again, I mean, uh, I don't really talk about this a lot. Yeah, I just don't think it's a big deal in my mind. But the officiating, kind of questionable. But coming down to the last play, Taylor Heineke was on the Pat McAfee show I listened to earlier um, today. And he said the play call on that last play was find um, Terry McLaurin open or take the sack. And Taylor Heineke takes a knee. And Brandon Graham just comes in five seconds later, not a hard hit, but it was a late hit and Heineke gave himself up. And eventually that was a first down Heineke celebrated and the team celebrated and eventually in theory ended the football game uh, for the commanders. Eagles tried to do some laterals uh, to try to close it out, fumbled and the commanders picked it up for a touchdown. So Pretty great game. The commanders are five and five. Um, looking at this game, looking at how the commanders beat the Eagles, looking at the state of this NFC East, and how, how do I really put this? Looking at the state of the NFC East, this makes it a little more closer. Because if you look at the commander's schedule going the rest of the way, the 171 Houston Texans, then the Falcons, then the Giants, bye week, Giants. But 
Anything can happen, folks. Anything Such a can happen. Weird schedule. So weird. Giants by Giants. That makes no sense. But uh, go on. <laughs> but it, it, anything can happen, and hmm. the Commanders can lose out. They. they I want to say they're going to lose out, but they can definitely drop. I mean. That's not like they, they can Houston, drop three or they can four, drop a game to Houston, they out, can drop it, they to, can win out. I don't know if they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna win out. I think they'll definitely lose one to the Giants. I, think I mean, anything the Falcons are the, the, the Falcons are a threat to you guys, um, you know, because I feel like you guys are kind of on the same level talent wise. That's not true. I think well, commanders have more talent, but you know, just it's the commander's football team, right? You know, yeah. it's, anything it's, can happen, but um. What what I want to go into first and foremost is the fact that how much celebrating this team did. Ron Rivera and the coaching staff has to take that down. Because why? No, I'm sorry. Why? Why can't why? they get hyped for beating an undefeated team? And then, and then, let me rephrase that: being hyped yesterday, but continuing that celebration will not be good because they need to turn it down. Get ready for practice because a one practice isn't until tomorrow. Practice isn't until no for them. Yeah, I don't know. It's a short week. Practice isn't until tomorrow. Celebrate your wins, okay? But then once you come in Wednesday, that's it. It's done. Okay, we're on to Houston. Yeah, real because this could be a trap game. It could be. It could be. But I mean, Kirby, like, why? Why not celebrate this? Like, okay, you guys beat a good football team. Nobody expected you guys to do it. Only. Not even the fan base, the, you know, the commander's fan base believed that they could do this. So, yeah, celebrate that you guys shocked the world, that you guys beat the last undefeated team in the NFL. Why is that so wrong to do? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying don't do it for an extended period of time and get ready for Houston. Okay, yeah, but like, let because them Because people are already saying it might be a trap game. No, it is a trap game. It's always a trap game. Houston's always the trap game. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've only trapped one team. They've only won one game. But, yeah, no, it's a trap game. But, again, it's, you know, it's not as if this team has, like, got Super Bowl aspirations here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Commanders went 32-21. to 21. The state of the NFC East, though, Carlos, after mm-hmm. this uh, Commanders victory, do you see it? Closing in a little bit because the commanders are five and five. It's I mean, not closing in. I still think, I mean, the way I still see it, it's Philly, Dallas at the top. I, even though New York is technically in second place, I don't think, you know, they're necessarily as good as the record says they are. You know, there are what they're seven and two right now. Um, I don't think they're, you know, uh, we saw Dallas completely demolish them with Cooper Rush, you know, and um, I just feel as if, and, and that's not to say the Giants aren't a good team. They're a good team, but I don't think they're as good as Philly and Dallas are. And then, you know, Washington is for sure in last place there. I don't think this is closing. It's, it's tightening up. I think right now is when, you know, now we're about to start getting into a lot of these NFC East games, you know, Dallas still has one game against each team, basically. You guys still have two games against the Giants. You guys still have one more game against the Cowboys. The Giants still have, like, every team to still play. You know, they, they haven't really played any of the NFC East. They haven't played yet. They haven't played, they haven't played you guys yet. They, haven't, they still have one more game against us on Thanksgiving, you know. 
Um, yeah, and you know, and again, Philly still has us to 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 worry about, and they still have, and like I said, they still have two games against the Giants, and who's to say the Giants don't steal one of those? You know, the Giants could very well still beat Philly, even though I don't think they're necessarily you know, a top contender. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't think that they're a, like a Super Bowl threat here or a division winner. Right. I don't think they're that, but I mean, definitely the division has closed a little bit, but I don't think we're at risk of Washington winning this division. (laughs) You know, that would have to take an epic collapse for them to even like, you know, get into second place. Yeah. It's crazy, though, because the NFC East is the winningest division so far this year. And No, that would actually be the AFC East. All the teams on that side have, oh, a, have a winning record. Oh, now it is? I mean, they all have winning records. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I see there. But for a time, it was the NFC East, like, highest winning percentage or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, everybody was saying how the NFC East is back. But let's NFC. be honest, Kirby. Like, let's be 100% honest here. The NFC East has a very cupcake schedule. Every team does. Philly has had a cupcake schedule. Dallas, for the most part, has had, I would say on paper, a tougher schedule, but when we actually went up against the teams, they were very compromised. Cincinnati wasn't at, wasn't the Cincinnati that we knew yet. The Rams weren't the Rams, aren't the Rams anymore. You know, I mean, look at this green, this past green Bay game. Green Bay isn't that isn't the green Bay that we used to know them as, you know, and Dallas to loss. Again, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, you know, when the, when the schedules came out, who were the two teams that had the easiest schedules? Washington and Dallas were had the easiest schedules made. We are playing the week, the, the, the week AFC South and who, what NFC side are we? We're playing the NFC South as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like, like who are we? No, I'm sorry. We're playing the NFC North. Right. And the NFC North is not good. Right. So like, yeah, it's just not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really like that necessarily impressed by like the Giants padded record or, you know, kind of, I mean, Philly, I mean, they had that impressive win against the Vikings. Yeah. But I mean, realistically, who else have they really beaten? They beat a Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys. Now, if they go out and beat us on Christmas Eve and they beat us handily in Dallas, then I will definitely be more impressed, but I'm not necessarily that impressed by it. And again, Washington, you know, you guys have had so much turmoil this season. Now Carson Wentz is about to come back. Does he start? You know, there's all these questions that you got to ask now too. me personally. I say stick with Taylor Heineke, stick with the guy who's been leading you guys to victory. But you, you guys, pay, you guys are paying Carson Wentz a lot of money. Do you just have him sit on the bench? I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see as well as Carson Wentz um, slowly but surely gets healthier and healthier. But um, it's just going to be interesting to see. I'm very interested to see, not really for Washington, but for Philly, Dallas, and New York, how it pans out when the season ends. Because... Still, the, the all three of those teams have winning records. They're above 500. Mm. And with the Giants having to play almost everybody in the NFC East towards the end of the year, it's going to be interesting to see once 
their NFC's opponents start coming to town or they travel there, how it all pans out in the standings once it's all said and done. Well, listen, we're on the we're we're, we're on we're past the halfway point. You know, we're we're in the third quarter at this point. You know, now is the time when teams start to really separate themselves as to are they real or are they not. I think this is going to be a tight race between these three teams till the end, especially now that the that Philly lost. But I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think Philly's still the favorite to win the division. Uh, I think Dallas is probably the favorite to come in second. But um, you just don't know because Philly could easily lose to Dallas and to um and to New York and uh, you know depending on tiebreakers and stuff Dallas could easily take the division and be the first two-time division you know two consecutive division champ but we we just don't know right now for me Philly's probably the favorite to win the division um but uh, you know New York uh, like New York and Dallas are going to the playoffs too so like it doesn't really necessarily matter right like all that matters is like Winning the division just gets you a home game. That's it. Yeah, I I agree. But the state of the NFC East um, right now, I I like how you said cupcake because I I agree with that because you said the commanders and the Cowboys have the easiest schedule. So, and you said the Giants have a padded schedule. So, it's just going to be interesting to see. I, I find it very interesting how these teams may or may not separate out towards the end of the season. But, man, I can't believe it's almost Thanksgiving. And, mm-hmm. you know, that in week 11 of football next week and then just getting down to when this season's flying by. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. That's how it always goes. It's all how it always goes. Coming up next on the Kirby on Sports podcast, we'll talk more about this matchup with Candy Waller from Seawall Sports and Entertainment. When me and Carlos rejoin, we will bring you the Hurry Up Offense brought to you each and every week by Barrett's Pest and Termite Services. Stick with us right here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Is it finally time to upgrade your home's interior? How about with an authentic farm table made locally from recycled barn wood? Shenandoah Primitives, based right here in Winchester, Virginia, makes farm tables, benches, tables, coffee tables, and a long list of other items for your home decorating needs. At Shenandoah Primitives, function and style are combined for great furniture that will last generations. If you're interested in combining the industrial look of metal with wood or considering something incredibly unique with a live edge, Shenandoah Primitives turns those ideas into reality. Thinking about a mirror, wine rack, or other accent piece for your home, Shenandoah Primitives can assist with that as well. As a local small business, Shenandoah Primitives is happy to work with each client for a custom design or schedule an appointment to come out and view current inventory. Local high quality handmade items can be found at Shenandoah Primitives. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Once again, that's www.shenandoahprimitives.com. 
All right. Welcome back to the Kirby on Sports podcast. Now pleased to be joined by a very great connection of mine. I'm Candy Waller, the founder and owner of Seawall Sports and Entertainment to break down anything and everything, the Washington Commanders versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Candy, welcome. How are you? I am doing very well, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It is uh, great to hear from you. Um, uh, We'll get to this Commanders-Eagles game in just a second, but it looks like a very great product you put out there with Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Um, If you don't mind, Candy, just take a moment and tell our viewers and watchers about Seawall Sports and Entertainment and what you're all about. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Um, So as you mentioned, I am the founder and CEO of Seawall Sports and Entertainment. We turned five years old on March the 6th this year. So this has been a big kind of just anniversary year, um, if you will. Um, We cover professional collegiate and youth sports in the Washington metropolitan area. So in terms of like credentials, we're on site with the commanders, the wizards, the mystics. Um, We've been doing some work with um, the historically black colleges and universities in the area and up and down the East Coast. Um, Also spending some time with the Maryland Terps, Georgetown Hoyas, you name it, just go down the list. We... (laughs) We're connected there. And so that's awesome. Um, Also through Seawall Sports and Entertainment, we have um, a a collaborative um, opportunity that we've been doing just launched a month ago inside the Wizards, which is a fan nation sports illustrated.com site. So all of your Washington Wizards coverage, you can go to si.com slash inside the Wizards and you can catch all of the great content from my team and myself there as well. Just a lot of stuff. All, all things Washington Metropolitan Area Sports is Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Yeah, it, absolutely. And um, you do a Facebook live show, I believe, every Tuesday that I, I take the time to um, – catch up on sometimes watch live when I can. So I do enjoy that. But most recently you got the opportunity to put your content on a uh, local TV in Bowie, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about that, what that was like. Yeah, absolutely. So coaching from the couch, the series. So we have the weekly DMV sports update. Think your George Michael sports machine, but delivered <laughs> from me and only Focusing on um, DMV sports, it gives an opportunity to also um, engage with viewers. As you mentioned, it is live and Bowie Television reached out. We were able to um, work that out where it was kind of like, okay, we do it live, but we can also share it on TV so folks can check that out later. We also have a coaching from the couch, the Washington Commanders update, which only focuses on the professional football team in the area. So we have a lot of fun. Well, Recently, we've been having a lot of fun with it, <laughs> with the show. Um, depends on how that news cycle is going. So, yeah, that comes on every day um, on Bowie Television. If you have, if you're in the local area and you have Verizon Files, it comes on Channel 11 and um, Comcast Xfinity. That's Channel 77 from 1:30 to 2:30 every single day. That's awesome, Candy. Great work you're putting in. You you can find all of Candy's work. She's on Twitter at Seawall SE and find her on Facebook, Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Seawall making the trip up to Philly. Um, cold, 
Uh, Monday Night Football, Eagles and Commanders. This game, in my mind, had written another version of Monday Night Massacre when <laughs> Mike Vick came to town back in the day. But it wasn't the case this time. The Commanders beat the Eagles 32-21. to The game off to a rough start. Uh, penalty off the kickoff. And, I mean, it, you know, then a quick turnover, like just a sack fumble. It, Taylor Heineke loses the football, and the Eagles just march down and score. And mm -hmm. at that moment, I'm like, man, is it really going to go like that? Like all momentum just – yeah, it seemed like at that moment, but the commanders march down. They run the football efficiently. They're passing the football efficiently. And I mean, what what a great turnaround because it seemed like the team could have just been down and out like that, but they fought the entire game. And we'll get into more of um, the other stuff, but the Eagles made some mistakes and I know there were some fans complaining about the officiating too, but first and foremost, what were your thoughts from this matchup between the commanders and the Eagles dethroning an undefeated team? I mean, it was, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it was, I mean, to your point, Josh, the first three minutes of the game now becomes, Oh my goodness. I hope this isn't an indicator of how the rest of this night is going to go because this is going to be a very long night. Um, and, you know, covering the team, growing up in the area and then covering the team, here's the reality. You want the team to do well, period. Um, I even have my distinct loyalties to the fan base because I was once a fan, and, you know, I, I, I get it. And I know how loyal this fan base is, right? And, and it just deserves all of the opportunities to have in a, in a recent year some, some good things happening along with the team um and so the first three minutes of that game i was just like oh no like you know this can't be historic prime time massacre that we've seen over the years happens to the commanders but they i mean this this is a recurring thing that we've seen with the team in terms of resilience that has come up quite a bit in their press conferences. And whenever, whenever anyone is talking about them now, because I have just not quite seen a team just be as resilient as they are. I have some of my theories on why and what it seems like they really attach themselves to. They, they love a comeback story. They love to, to play for each other, kind of fight for each other. And they really do believe that they can beat the other team on the other side of the scrimmage line. They believe that and they work hard for that. Um, but it was really incredible. The energy was amazing from the team um, at the end of the game. And I absolutely think it was it was well-deserved for sure. I really feel like the game plan offensively kind of changed because in weeks prior, the commanders would go past happy once they complete a long pass or something like that. It seemed really balanced to me. And Brian Robinson, hats off to him. He played, he ran the football really aggressively. And Antonio Gibson, he was able to shift directions multiple times to find that open hole and get that extra yardage. And this Washington commander's offense looked so much different than in weeks prior. 
Well, they they it seemed as though Scott Turner, for the most part, stuck to the game plan of sticking to the run, right? Um, just a few Thursdays ago when the Eagles went up against the Houston Texans, that's that's where the Eagles started to show their flaws a bit. Now, they're definitely dealing with some injuries over there defensively, but they have some issues stopping the run. I think I got I was so super impressed in the second quarter. I shared with one of my media colleagues. I said, oh, my goodness, they have had the football for almost seven minutes. I said, I remember when they did this a couple years ago against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay at FedEx Field. And I was in attendance. Yeah, whenever you see them sticking to the run, holding the football, they are being very clear. They do not want the opposing offense to get that football back because the likelihood of them scoring is very high. And so for them to execute Going back to your point about Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, let's keep in mind, J.D. McKissick is out. He's dealing with his neck injury. Um, Jonathan Williams came up as questionable, right? And then it was like, all right, you got you got two. You got two healthy running backs, one of which was not healthy just a few weeks ago, right? And they both just shined. Um, the offensive line, I give them a hard time, but hey. They help to get that football down the field and convert those first downs. They were ex my excellent, but they were pretty daggone good on third downs. And converting third downs was consistently been an issue for them. Um, we've seen over time, and they just they, they, it was some out it was some out coaching that that went along there, which I, I rarely get an opportunity to say <laughs> on any show. And they definitely out-executed their opponent fair and square. I've been hearing a lot of, of a lot of talk, and I said this on another show about you know the Eagles struggling and all this, that, and the third. Okay, yeah, but that's also because the Commanders team was extremely prepared for that. The Commanders made some up, you know, some mistakes themselves, but we saw that team recover in real time and execute. And when they had the opportunities, they stuck to it. Absolutely. And looking on the defensive side of football for the commanders, it looked like the defensive line played exceptionally well. At times, the secondary would let a big pass go off. But one of those big passes was that deep shot. I can't recall who the receiver was, but he got up untouched and just didn't realize the commander's player was right behind him to strip the football out. Crucial moment in the fourth quarter, because if that fumble wouldn't have happened, who knows if we're talking about a win or a loss right now, and then Derek Forrest picks up the football, and then the whole sideline starts erupting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Um, his name escapes me as well. It was number 16. He was covered by Benjamin St. Juiced. And the thing about it was, with that, with the Eagles player, and if I had my, my notes, of course, I would pull it up. But it's amazing because in my mind, I'm like, just stay down. You were down, but he wanted to make a play. And I get it. I get the energy and wanted to make a play. So he got up to run. To your point, did not know that Benjamin St. Juice was right behind him. And Derek Forrest was coming up on his heels as well. And they made an amazing play on that football. They knew exactly that get that football back. And that's exactly what they did. And those are those types of things, Josh, 
that if you think historically about this team, we haven't seen them do things like that, where it's kind of like the play isn't over until it's over. And we're going to keep playing on this football until the whistle blows and the play is over. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I know some fans in the uh the, some fans, and I've seen on Twitter commenting on the questionable calls and stuff. I'm not one to dive deep into questionable calls in the game, but it seemed like some of the. And I'll be honest with you, that fumble, uh, Jamin, uh, whoever punched that out, and Jamin mm-hmm. Davis recovered mm-hmm. clear as day face mask. Mm-hmm. So my question to you on that penalties like that. Because I heard them talking on the TV broadcast. Do you mm-hmm. think at a point in time they're gonna the NFL, the league's gonna make a rule saying you can review penalties that might be missed like that? And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, probably yes. I mean, you know, you covered the commanders, so it was like ooh, you know, but <laughs> I was also being in the spirit of transparency, which you know I like to be, you know, I was a little disappointed, you know, and Jamin's been playing excellent. But I was disappointed to see him make a mistake like that, right? I was like, oh, come on, Jamin. It's a face mask. And, um, I mean, hey, it is the holiday season. So the commanders were given a gift with that one. But it was also then a fumble, to your point, a moment ago. It wasn't called. Okay, you got away with one right there. But absolutely, there's opportunities for those things to be reviewed and probably should. I mean, we say those, you know, it always, if it be completely objective, it should be. It should be. Um, but it just worked in the favor of the commanders last night. That's all that was. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, in the last play, um, I saw the uh, press co- uh, an interview with Taylor Heineke on the Pat McAfee show. The play was designed find Terry McLaurin open or take the sack. And he takes the knee and Brandon Graham just comes up, tries to stop, but people are complaining mainly on the Philly side, like, oh, that's a terrible call. But he gave himself up and people are complaining about that call too. But I agreed with that call. I mean, for some contact, Taylor might've sold it a little bit too much, but I mean, I saw that. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. First and foremost, because Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the design of the play was going to be like, Mm -hmm. but him to take that knee, I'm like, what are you doing? Then the flag gets called. It's like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. He definitely got the foul. Eagles player definitely. I think that was number fifty-five. I, I need to get my. I need to get my roster to see everybody else. I know everybody on the Commanders roster, but all these players start to run together over the week. Um, but yeah, number fifty-five on the Eagles committed that, and it was a foul, a sure enough foul, and I had to chuckle to myself because I was like, Taylor got him on that one because you could even see now Taylor may not admit it, but you could even see in Taylor's reaction that it worked. Right. It worked because they're coming at him full speed. And he did, you know, like you said, he could have sold it a bit, but he did. He gave himself up. He still got clobbered. And that's that's the way that's the way it shakes out. I was actually kind of shocked that they called it. But it again, it it happened um, clear, very clear. And so you had to call that. one. Um, and, and that was, a, you know, the Eagles had some some brain lapses a few times. Right, you I was know, very surprised. One that uh, the one you brought up with the fumble, 
um, with the deep pass and the, you know Benjamin St. Justin coverage and direct, you know and Derek uh, you know forcing the fumble, Derek Force recovers. That was absolutely a, a brain lapse because you, I mean, hey, you weren't touched, but you still were not aware of your surroundings. When you could have just you just made a big play, you could just be down. And stay down if you like, you know, you don't need to try to be a hero. And now, you know, now here comes a turnover. So it, it was a great win. We saw the celebration on the plane coming home. We don't really need to talk about that. But questions are coming out now in the press conference with Rivera. Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke? Yeah, I mean, that question is there because Carson Wentz is slowly starting to get better, and people are asking, what's the situation going to be there? And obviously, it was a big division win, and Ron Rivera is talking about settling his team down, getting him set for a 1-7-1 Houston Texans team, which if, if they overlook this, this could be a trap game for the Commanders. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Coach Rivera shared in his after-game press conference that that is still a very well-coached team. You know, Coach Rivera, I will say this, he doesn't, he's never come off as the type of person that looks at the records, right, and just blows it off. He's still going to have expectations of his coaches, his players, to be well-prepared to go into Houston and come out of there with a W. Again, to your point, with the Houston Texans record, they're desperate for a win. They're desperate to just, you know, something. So it could be referred to as a trap game, could be. I mean, I think what the Eagles fell prey to was a trap game. They had some time off. It's prime time. Everyone knows the commanders don't do well in prime time. Um, and people may not have paid attention to the fact that the last few weeks, the, the, yes, the commanders won against um, some bad teams, right? But the commanders played well against the Vikings, right? A couple mistakes here and there, and the team with the synergy of the Vikings currently ended up coming back and winning that football game. But the it was right there. It was right there. So the commanders were itching to take somebody down that's got all the clout right now. And it was the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football. So I think they are going to try to stay focused. And that's one of the things that coach Rivera is, is preaching to his coaches and his staff, you know, stay focused, stay focused, stay the course, because you don't want to get too, Oh, you know, enjoy it last night, which they did watch some film today, but it's back at it on Wednesday because they got a football, another football game to play and hopefully win this weekend. You can't celebrate for too long, but it is nice to celebrate in the moment. Absolutely. Once again, Candy Waller stopping by to talk about the commander's win over the Eagles 32 to 21 candy. Before we let you go, um, the floor is yours if anything is new and brewing, cooking up for Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Let us know what we can expect over on your end. You know what? We're just going to expect some some more coverage from, from Seawall Sports and Entertainment. As you know, we've been traveling, going to the away games. That's going to be, you know, a lot of fun. We'll be in Houston. Um, and so hopefully there's always good news to report. Um, again, with the um, NBA season, 
kicking off. Make sure you all are bookmarking the SI.com inside the Wizards page for all you Wizards fans out there. And we're tracking everything going on in the East and with the Wizards opponents as well. So make sure you're looking out for that. And so, hey, just more coverage, more coverage. The Seawall uh, Sports and Entertainment also has a foundation. So we will be rolling out a few courses for youth programs and youth athletic programs specifically as well in the areas of leadership, collaboration, teaming, and conflict management and resolution. So you all can find that information on www.seawallfoundation.org. We're always looking for volunteers. So that's a really big thing that we're doing right now to um, start just to organize. Now, if you just want to donate, um, Giving Tuesday is coming up here in a couple of weeks on Tuesday, November. 29th so that we're going to be all in your news feeds and all over your television screens here very shortly candy it was a pleasure chopping it up with you right here on the kirby on sports podcast hopefully we can do it again really soon i would love that josh thank you again for having me this was great hey sports fans thank you for listening to and supporting the kirby on sports podcast with founder and host josh kirby along with lead contributor dan dembski like, subscribe, and give them a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast from. My name is Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Our company helps leaders build engaged and productive teams. Exclusively for listeners of the Kirby on Sports podcast, you can take an opportunity to discover your primary communication style and learn more about effective communication with others. Text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free copy of the Working From Home Communication Assessment where you'll learn your primary communication style, how to better communicate with others not like you, and tips on working remotely based on your personal communication style. 10 minutes, tons of resources, learn about yourself and your team. Again, text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free assessment report today. I'm Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, where we help you and your team be more engaged and productive by understanding each other better. Back to you, Josh. All right. Welcome back. Huge thanks to Candy Waller of Seawall Sports and Entertainment for joining me on the Kirby on Sports podcast to talk more about the Commanders and Eagles matchup. All right, Carlos, it's the Hurry Up Offense brought to you each and every week by Barrett's Pest and Termite Services. You ready to go, my friend? Bed bugs. The only thing creepier than thinking about them is actually having them. Trust me, you don't want to have them. Locally owned and operated Barrett Pest and Termite Services can keep you from having bed bug nightmares and infestations. Call 540-340-3922 to schedule your free inspection and consultation. If bed bugs are already in your home, we'll get rid of them so you can rest easy. We also specialize in keeping homes and businesses free of other pests, including rodents and termites. That's Barrett Pest and Termite Services, 540-340-3922. The first game on the hurry up offense, the Panthers defeating the Falcons on Thursday night football, 25 to 15. And I will say Baker Mayfield needs to headbutt people with a helmet on. I, I got nothing to say to this game. All I right. Didn't even really watch. 
Well, that's what I saw Baker Mayfield headbutting his team with um his uh, with a hat on and not his helmet. Uh, mm. Panthers win that game twenty five to fifteen. Munich, Germany. Boy, do they know how to party for football? Dude, you're late to the party. <laughs> I I watched that game. They had like pitchers of beer. They were drinking. Dude, it's Germany. Like man, like do you have you seen what happens when you know Bayern Munich wins the the Bundesliga? Like. They literally throw like big pitchers of beer on each other. <laughs> like this well, isn't like like to the uninitiated. Like you guys don't understand how crazy those people those that fan base is. I got to experience that fan base live at the DC United Bayern Munich friendly game this summer. Those those guys are wild, man. They're they're a great time. And after they were singing "Country Roads." Yeah, you know about the great state of West Virginia. <laughs> Uh, no, it's actually Western Virginia. Well, too bad. West Virginia has, uh, uh owns the song. So you can try. I, I understand. I understand. Kirby, I understand. Kirby, I understand. Okay. But West Virginia owns the song. Let's be honest here. They own it. You're just I mad understand. I'm not, not mad about, about anything. What does my hat have? The state of Virginia. Okay, oh, yeah. I'm a Virginian. Okay, but I'm just telling you, West Virginia owns that song. <laughs> uh, okay, but anyways, the Buccaneers defeat the Seahawks 21 to 16. And um, Carlos, is it a good idea to send Tom Brady out? He's 45 as a receiver. Slipped and fell Leonard Fournette through that interception. I thought that was the funniest moment in that game, Tom Brady going out as a receiver. And, and my, I was talking to my dad about it. He's like, that's one way you can get hurt right there. Who thinks it's a good idea to send Brady out on a um, receiver route there? I mean, they just did it. I mean, It was funny, though. He, sl he uh, slipped. Though everybody started chuckling, and that uh, one defender for the Seahawks made that interception. But uh, for the most part, um, it, I mean, Geno Smith looked like he had a, a pretty good game. Tom Brady threw for almost 300 yards with uh, two touchdowns and an interception. Looked like very competitive football for the fans in Munich, Germany. Mm. I want to say it was competitive. I mean, the Seahawks made it tight at the end, but I mean, for the most part, Tampa Bay had control of that game for most of it. It wasn't until the end that Seattle made a little bit of a comeback there. And you want to hear a funny stat? Sure. Tom Brady's undefeated since getting divorced. So let's see if that continues. <laughs> He's undefeated in international games, and he's the first quarterback to win in three different countries. He's won in can uh, no, he's won in London, he's won in Mexico, and he's won in now Munich, Germany. That's pretty crazy, too. Thanks mm -hmm. for bringing that one out. That that is pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna bring up a real stat, not a stupid, you know, tabloid stat like you like to do. <laughs> okay, moving on. The Lions defeat the Bears by a point. 31 to 30 in a um nfc north battle um mm -hmm. i didn't really watch this game that much did you see anything that that's worth noting i mean the crazy justin fields touchdown that dude justin fields is playing on another level right now like oh, justin yeah. Fields is really starting to show 
why people were so excited. Like people, he's starting to show why he was so exciting in college, you know, and now he's starting to bring it to the NFL. He's starting to figure it out. But unfortunately it was for not. And, you know, the kicker kind of screwed him by missing that extra point, therefore opening the door for Detroit to win. Um, you know, tough, tough, you know, tough loss for the bears, but, and, you know, I guess great win for the lions, you know, that they really needed it. Cause you know, they've been in so many games, but could never, you know, pull it off and here they are pulling it off. So good for them. This is what their third win. Three and six for the lions, 31 to 30 as the lions defeat the bears. All right, Carlos. No, we're not doing it. It's not worth it for this game. It's not worth it for this game. The no. Chiefs, the Chiefs defeat the Jaguars 27 to tw- uh, 27 to 17, excuse mm-hmm. me. And I will sh- I will say I believe it was Smith Schuster got knocked out there. I, obviously I saw that replay. Hopefully dirty hit. He is- dirty hit. He should have been flagged, but for some reason the refs didn't throw the flag and then the the dude went on to have another dirty hit literally on the next play, and they still didn't throw a flag. Well, hopefully he is recovering well, but a nasty hit there, which hopefully he is all right. But the Chiefs over the Jaguars, twenty-seven to seventeen. Yeah, the only reason why we didn't do the the thing is just because you know this was we're, we're expected to beat teams like this, so like you know and. Yeah, it wasn't that, you know, competitive of a game, really. I mean, the Chiefs had it under control the whole time. Um, Patrick Mahomes looking good. Travis Kelsey finally getting a touchdown. He hasn't had a touchdown since week five. Um, but, man, this Kansas City defense, to, the way they really controlled this this Jaguars offense and just completely – you know, was, you know, the way they were getting to the quarterback and the fact that they don't even have Frank Clark yet, you know, because he's been suspended the last two games and now he's going to come back. But the biggest, you know, get was, you know, the fact that the second, you know, the, these defensive backs are really, you know, McDuffie, the rookie who's just now starting to get back because he's been, you know, he's been injured. I mean, he's a shutdown corner like that. Like they don't even throw his way because they know how talented he is. He was probably the biggest get in the draft for for the Chiefs. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a great win for, for, for Kansas city and, you know, and now they're in first place and they really controlled their destiny here. And obviously now we got to go to uh, in a big Sunday night matchup against, uh, the chargers, but you know, the chargers aren't necessarily playing good, but for, and for the Jaguars, you know, there's, there's so much promise there. Like there really is like, you know, they, their goal is to be the chiefs one day and, but they need, I feel like this is good for them to see like what a competent, well-oiled team looks like. And this is what they should strive for. They have the pieces. They have the talent on that Jaguars team. I think they have the right coach. They just have to be patient. They just have to keep developing and they're going to eventually get to where Kansas city is. Um, Because like I said, like, you know, Christian Kirk is really earning his money here. He is, he is actually like really lighting it up. And the fact that they also traded for, um, well, it's the receiver's name from Atlanta again. Um, Jones. No, Jones. No, wait, hold on. Uh, oh my God, his name is escaping me. Why is it escaping me? They just traded for him. He's suspended for the year. Ridley. 
Yeah, Ridley. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, Ridley. yeah, Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. I said Julio Jones? I'm not sure. Uh, because I said Atlanta receiver. Yeah, the you first person Jones. that comes to my head is Julio Jones. Well, because he was the receiver, so I get it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not knocking you for it. But I was like, wait, John, I was like, why would you say Jones though? <laughs> but I get it. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the, the, they got Ridley. You know, he's going to be able to play next year. This Jaguars team is. They're on the up and up, and I think I, I really like what they're building over there, and I hope it really works out for Doug Peterson. I think he's the right coach. Uh, you see the potential there. Like, it's there. Um, but, you know, Kansas City is just leagues above them, and they were just never really in, at, a, you know, at threat in this. But uh, Kadarius Tony making his appearance to the NFL, getting his first t- NFL touchdown. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Kirby, this guy's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem in the NFL like he yeah. is. He's in the right system, you know. He's got the he's got the right quarterback. He's got he's in, he's in the right offense. Like he's gonna be a problem. And one more shout out to Nick Bolton, the the the, the linebacker for for Kansas City. This dude is a monster and has really just taken over, you know, the defense this year. I I will say Tony seems like an interesting character, but uh, a good football player as well. But the grill on his teeth, man, that's just, I haven't seen anything like it, but um, that was a, that was a good touchdown by him as well. But moving on, have a day to a tug of a 39 to 17, the dolphins over the Browns. Tua almost throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns. This Dolphins team is looking, it looked pretty darn good in this game. Yeah, they look good. They look good. But again, it was against the Browns though, you know? Yeah, the Browns. the Browns. But no, I mean, they need, but these are the games you should look good in and they look good in it. You, We, we can't cap anymore. Like the, the Dolphins are good. They're a good team. Tua is really starting to get, he's really getting going. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he finally plays a team that's really going to start bringing pressure in his face because we know he does not like that. And lately, they've been playing teams that don't bring a lot of pressure. So we'll see what happens when that, when he inevitably faces those teams. But for right now, you know, they're, they're playing lights out. You know, uh, Tyreek has kept his production level up. I think he's even actually doing better this year than he has in the years prior uh, in his last couple years in Kansas city. Um, and, you know, Waddle is also just a problem. That whole offense is just humming like a machine right now. And it's, 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 it's nice to see, you know, that their investment paid off. Moving on the giants defeating the Texans 24 to 16. I don't really got a lot to say on this game. You know, I mean, it's the Texans. It's the Texans. Good job, Giants, that you didn't fall for the trap game because it very well could have been a trap game. Absolutely. The Steelers over the Saints, 20 to 10. Um, big t- confidence. TJ Watt. Yeah, TJ Watt, Watt is back. Big confidence booster for the uh, Steelers winning a game. Um, obviously, they're still struggling. Uh, Kenny Pickett throwing 199 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, but he did rush in for a touchdown, and rookie George Pickens had a rushing touchdown as well. But, uh, I mean... Not a lot to say. I don't. Have, I really don't have anything to say. Just like... You know, what about the Saints, though? I mean... I mean, we kind of already talked about... I, I don't have a lot to say on the Saints either. They're just not the, that team anymore. That's it. I might be dumb for saying this, but what happened to Winston again? 
He's injured. Yeah, that that's what I thought. I didn't I didn't know if he was injured or got benched, and I completely no, no, completely blanked my mind there. Yeah. All right. Uh, Titans over Broncos, seventeen to ten. I don't even want to talk about. I don't want to talk. The Broncos are just utter garbage. Man. I mean, the They're Broncos so were leading, bad. and the Titans come back and just beat them. They're What's just the so bad. Like the Broncos just suck. The, Russell, the Russell Wilson, Wilson is terrible. Experiment. The, the like the Broncos lost this trade. They really lost this trade, and it's surprising that they lost this trade. All right. Well, the Titans over the Broncos, seventeen to ten. Let's ride into the next game, Carlos. My goodness, can you believe it? Jeff Saturday is undefeated. Jeff Saturday, in in uh, in on the other end. Receiving that loss were the Oakland Raiders. Las Vegas. Yes, Las Vegas. Thank you. Man, I'm just really pissed off. What we do to practice every day. What we do to sleep at night. My gosh. Derek Carr got really emotional up there on the podium. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the, I didn't watch any, I didn't watch the clip. I didn't watch the game. I got no insights on this one because during all that, I was busy doing something else. Well, Derek Carr is frustrated. Obviously, he should be because, you know, you go from being a playoff team last year to where things were humming at the end of the year to, you know, you were supposed to be this great team, but now two of your weapons are on IR and you guys can't get anything going. You guys can't even beat the Indianapolis Colts who all of a sudden start Matt Ryan out of nowhere. Because, because like, Jeff all week Saturday they saying, wanted it. Well, all week that he had been saying Sam Elling, Elling, Ellinger, God, that was hard to say, uh, was going to start. And then surprise, surprise, Matt Ryan's back. So, But, yeah, I, I mean, everybody on the memes are coming out like, no, I've spent 20 years as an assistant coach and Jeff Saturday getting up off his couch and coaching a football game, something like that. That That's incredible, though. Former Colt, they pick him to be the interim head coach, with a, which a lot of people do not a, agree with. Yeah, and I imagine I know why, but coming in and winning the game. I mean, coaching this team to win, this Colts team to win, that well, hold on. Very- but here's the thing it's not as if he wasn't around the team he was an advisor to the team he really helped build the offensive line he was really so it's not as if he wasn't around this team and didn't really know anything he was a scout for the team a little bit too so yeah and he's drinking butter buddies with you know ursay so yeah just pump the brakes on oh he just got off the couch and came to this team cold like he knew what he was doing. those were the memes that wasn't me those were the memes uh, pump the brakes he knew what he was doing yeah let's and, move on um, i'm tired of talking about jeff saturday it, it was crazy though he tweeted the raiders are bad I, and then- congrats he was a pundit at the time <laughs> and was he wrong no like let's move on i don't want to keep talking about the raiders and colts okay you're you're ready to move on carlos you ready? Yep. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, you're annoying. Yes, it is a great week. The Commanders won and the Cowboys lost in mm. overtime. But that's what you get when Mike McCarthy uh, disrespects the great name of Vince Lombardi. Trying in to what way did he him. disrespect him? He dressed up like him walking into Lambeau Field. Okay, He's so he icon. wore a coat. 
and somehow that's what you get for wearing a coat. Hmm. Yeah, that that logic checks out, Kirby. That logic checks out. <laughs> what? So what? What do you make of this game? I I feel like the Cowboys just weren't on it after a bye week or something. No, it's just playing the damn Packers. That's what happens. We can never beat this team. Aaron Rodgers owns us. <laughs> he owns the city. That Jerry Jones does not own the Dallas Cowboys. It is Aaron freaking Rogers. <laughs> it, it is it, so it's just so frustrating because like this is a team coming off of five straight losses and we can't beat them. Like and we going into the oh my god, like it, I've I've just all the heartbreak against this Packers team, and it's just like we just like we can't even get one when they're like the worst team right now and it just hurts it must have felt satisfying for aaron Rodgers to beat his former head coach or something that was the first time mccarthy stepped Mm. back into lambo since he got fired which i didn't realize it was that far in time when that happened but wow but the packers needed that regardless they needed sure, that, but the Cowboys needed it more, you know, just for, you know, morality's sake for the fan base, you know, just for trying to keep up, especially that since the Eagles dropped the game, you know, that would have been huge if we would have been seven and two also, because then we would be right on the doorstep. But instead, we're still two games back from them. Listen, a lot of things went wrong. The biggest thing is Dak's inconsistency has reared its head again. He there are times where he looks like he's the top one of the top 10 quarterbacks. And I believe he's a top 10 quarterback. I do. I'm a big Dak defender. I don't, you, you know, when when Cooper Rush came in and he was winning those games, you know, I, I and there are people that were clamoring, oh, we should just stick with Cooper Rush and all that. I knew I was one of the people that was trying to bring sense to the fan base, telling them, hey, like, come on, let's be honest. And then we played the Eagles and we saw the limits of the offense, right? Under Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott affords us a to be able to take the offense to another level, right? To be a little more creative. But the problem is, is Dak Prescott is just sometimes very inconsistent. Those two interceptions, I you could you can make the argument they weren't his fault, but at the same time, why are you throwing the ball there? Make make the read. You can tell your receiver's not going to be in that in the spot that you need him in. Don't just predetermine that's where you're going. Make the read. He was not reading this defense properly. Um you know, a lot of, you know, the officiating kind of screwed us too. It felt like every time we got something big going, somehow there was a, 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 a holding call. You know, it's the, it's the discipline part of this team again. And the defense really did not show up in this game, to be completely honest. The biggest weakness that we have seen the past few weeks in Dallas is that run defense. They cannot stop the run, really. Micah Parsons was not a factor in this game. They really shut him down. And... You know, once Anthony Brown went out with, with that concussion, that's when uh, Christian Watson really started going off because Diggs couldn't always be on the guy. And whenever Diggs wasn't on him, that's when he went off. And so aside from Diggs, nobody in that secondary really balled out. We need secondary help here now is is clear. And that's something they need to address in the offseason because it's not really something we can address now. The trade deadline has passed. And honestly, we, we have enough to hold it, right? But now the Packers have kind of given a blueprint on how to beat the Cowboys. You have to just keep running it and eventually, you, you know, but I, I don't know. It's just 
this game was just very frustrating, especially considering the fact that we went into the fourth quarter up 14 points and we couldn't score a single field goal or anything like that. And then that egregious fourth down play was just, yeah, not great. Um, l- Let me ask you this. Do you think it hurt the Cowboys with Zeke being out still? Or do you think Tony Pollard's the better back? Uh, listen, I'm of the opinion that we need them both, right? But I believe Tony Pollard should always be more involved in the offense than he is. Because when Zeke, l- lately, like, you-, you can look back on it. When Zeke plays, Pollard kind of disappears, right? He- he's not, sometimes there's not really any packages for him. But what Zeke does is he tires the defense out. You know, he tires them out because he's he's the he's the bang. And, you know, he's the thunder. And Tony Pollard is the lightning, right? So, like, Zeke of Zeke wears down wears down that defensive line, and he's a more physical runner than Tony Pollard. Now, Tony Pollard can be physical, don't get it twisted, right? But Tony Paul, but Zeke brings this different kind of physicality, and we need them both. Anybody that says different, like sure, Zeke isn't that explosive back that he was on his rookie year, right? Where he was just breaking runs left and right, but he's still a power back. He's still going to, you know, on that fourth down play. You hand the ball to Zeke, he's going to get you those yards, right? He's just going to go head first, and he's going to power through that defense. So I don't, I do think not having Zeke did hurt, but I, I also would rather him sit out and get healthy because we saw what happened last season when he tried to play through the through an injury. He he was a shell of himself, and he was honestly hurting the team. A healthy Zeke helps. A hurt Zeke does not. Yeah. Um. I mean. It still, I thought from what I saw, Pollard had 115. That was good. But Pollard and Zeke together, that was sort of a one-two punch, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, so I mean, if Zeke was healthy, I mean, you, you know, who knows? This could have been more running for Dallas, running it down their throats, and... Who knows? But it, I feel like it was a Yeah, slight- but here's the thing. I'm you can't blame the running game because when you look at it, where did the points come from? The 14 of of the of the 31 points that Green Bay scored came off of a Dak Prescott interception. Dak Prescott has to be more efficient throwing the ball. He has to and he needs to start using his dang on legs more. Dak Prescott can run. Why do we not have any designed runs for him on that fourth down play? Right, like every other team will run a quarterback that can run there. You know, Baltimore uses Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes will go out there and, and run the ball. Why does Dak Prescott con- consistently not use his legs, even though he is a mobile quarterback? I, I, I'm. It's 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 something that Kellen Moore, and and I'm, it, it, his grace period has really run out. I mean, the fan base has completely turned on him. Nobody really likes Kellen Moore anymore. He used to be the golden child. Now we're just like, what the hell are you doing? You know, some of these play calls just didn't make any sense. And, and you know, and for Dak Prescott, you have to be able to read, make the read and see that your receiver is coming up, is, is not running the route correctly. Do not throw it in a place where there's three defenders. Uh-huh. Uh, C.D. Lamb, two touchdowns in the game. He seemed like he was doing pretty well. But again, for but but it was all for naught, right? Congratulations, he finally had an over a hundred you know yard game. But we didn't win, you know. 
it, like this doesn't matter if unless you unless we win i'm we can't take any moral victories from this because like this was you know like this was our chance to finally get that monkey off our back get the aaron rodgers curse off of us and once again we blew it we had a chance two minutes left we just had to run a two-minute drive and there we go we could have also just kicked the field going overtime right because then what happens you know we 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 fail on fourth down and then all of a sudden green bay just drives down the field and we can't stop them right because they're just going to run the ball the whole time and the fact that this defense struggled with christian watson it makes me terrified for this next vikings game cuz how the hell are we going to start stop justin jefferson if we can't stop a rookie who at that point who, who leading into that game and even starting the game was had had nothing going for him, and then all of a sudden he blows off for three touchdowns. It's going to be interesting to see with. Dallas. It's not doom and gloom like the like like, like and I know we got to move on, but it's not doom and gloom, right? We're just the fan base is just mad. We're just pissed because like this game was there to be had. This was like like we we could have find like we don't get to beat Green Bay often. And it was right there. They've lost five straight games. Aaron Rodgers has looked terrible. And even then, we still couldn't do it. And that's, I think, the frustrating thing is that, like, we try to believe that this defense is special, but the defense didn't show up. And then the offense failed to do anything after the third quarter. So it's not the end. Hopefully they bounce back against the Vikings. I think they can beat the Vikings. I do. I, I'm rooting for Dallas. I, I'm picking Dallas to win that game. But it's just frustrating because, like, we wanted that Aaron Rodgers win so bad because that means so much to the fan base because of the heartbreak that he's given us. It, you know, whether it be, you know, the the Dez no call or the Dez no catch, even though Dez caught it, or, you know, Jared Cook catching that big, you, you know, on catching that big, you know, pass from Aaron Rodgers in, you know, 2016, the, you know, Dak's rookie year, you know, like Aaron Rodgers has subjected us to a lot of hurt or the Aaron Jones five touchdown game, right? Like we have suffered a lot to the Packers and to Mike McCarthy's led Packers that like, this was the reason why we brought Mike McCarthy in and he got let his emotions get the best of him, go for it on fourth down instead of just going for the points. And we lost the game. So uh, hopefully we bounce back. Hopefully we clean up these penalties. But yeah, I mean, it's needless to say, like we're mad, but it's not the end of the season. We're, we're fine. Moving right along, the Cardinals defeat the Rams 27-17. to Both quarterbacks in this matchup, starting quarterbacks rather, were hurt. Matthew Stafford was replaced by John Wolford and Colt McCoy. Always seems to come out and have a decent game. Colt McCoy is that serviceable backup quarterback you like to see in the league. And I'll say that because he once played for Washington. And if I remember correctly, did beat Dallas on Monday night. But Colt McCoy got hurt, though. He did? He didn't finish the game. Trace McSorley came in and finished the game. It ain't on the box score here. (laughs) Yeah, Colt McCoy got hurt. Well, it's not on the box. I swear it's not on the box well, score. Colt here. McCoy got hurt. I don't know why you're telling me it's not on the box score because I don't care. Colt McCoy got hurt. <laughs> Trace McSorley came in. Okay. Well, if that's the case, I did not notice that. Um, but the stats, from what I'm reading, he threw 238 yards and a touchdown. I mean, like, no, that's not to say he didn't play. Like, he played the game, yeah. right? But he got hurt. He ended up getting hurt at the end. But – 
two backup quarterbacks in this game. I mean, what? Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, who can? Los Angeles isn't good. Arizona stinks, but you know they're better without Kyler Murray, surprisingly. And it's just like it's proving more and more why Kyler Murray did not deserve that contract because Kyler Murray's god—he's freaking awful. He he's was terrible. probably sitting at home playing Call, Call of Duty, right? <sighs> that joke is so dumb, but yeah, it's so oh, overplayed. My. Oh my! Well. Yeah, I don't really have much to say. I don't have anything to say about this game. Except I don't care about the Cardinals. Two backup quarterbacks who were playing in this um, division ma- matchup. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Sunday night football, the 49ers over the Chargers 22-16 to in a game where Jimmy Garoppolo did not throw a touchdown. and Not one. Christian McCaffrey did have a touchdown, though, but... The Chargers were looking good at the beginning. Um, DeAndre Carter had a touchdown. He was looking pretty good. Justin Herbert, I felt, played well towards the beginning of the game. But things started to change for this Chargers team, and they're a really shaky team. Really shaky. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, Kirby. I didn't watch the game because at that point I was so mad. I was just done with football. <laughs> And the 49ers, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, they won, uh, they won that um, pickup there because Christian McCaffrey is doing so much better with the 49ers. Well, he's and, playing in an offensive system that's more running back friendly. Absolutely. A hundred. Like, Kyle Shanahan knows how to use a running back. So he's going to use a guy as talented as Christian McCaffrey, you know, to his full, you know, to his full strength. So that wraps up the Hurry Up Offense, brought to you each and every week by Bear Pest and Termite Services, as the Bengals, Jets, Patriots, and Ravens all had a bye this week. I'm Josh. That's the Swiss Army Knife, Carlos Martinez. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. Hey there, this is Mark Francis of Icon Real Estate. If you have any real estate needs in the Winchester surrounding area, including West Virginia, give me a call. I've got extensive experience, been in the business for almost 20 years, and would love to help you out. Track me down at Icon Real Estate, iconsells.com, or even give me a call, 540 247 one five two seven again icon sells i-c-o-n-s-e-l-l-s dot com and i would love to chat with you and help you out give me a call week 11 is on the horizon carlos what are you looking out for there's only one marquee game here actually there's two marquee games what am i talking about we obviously have you know cowboys vikings and of course chiefs um chargers but 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 my friend, we're finally here. It's finally time. Do you hear it? It's the sound of the Vuvuzelas. They're what? blowing in the stands huh? live from Doha, Qatar. The 2022 FIFA World Cup begins Sunday and will be for the next month of full soccer. Well, I was going to announce that, but let's make that announcement, Carlos. Are you ready? Sure. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Ladies and gentlemen, the Kirby on Sports podcast is expanding. We will have a dedicated show run by his truly right there, 
Mr. Carlos Martinez, the Swiss Army Knife, the World Cup. I, I'm not sure what it's going to be called yet. This is the Kirby on Sports World Cup show. The Kirby on Sports World Cup show. So that's what we're going with. And Carlos will be uploading weekly, I imagine. We we have to get <laughs> No, fire. sir. It's going to be daily for the first part of the tournament. And daily? Then start, well, there's right. games every day. Well, daily daily content regarding the FIFA World Cup will be done by Carlos Martinez. The podcast will not change. We are still doing our normal stuff. But with the magnitude of the World Cup and how much excitement it draws, we decided in our best interest to do a separate standalone show for the World Cup. So stay tuned. We will get that all the details out to you, hosted by the Swiss Army Knife, Carlos Martinez. It's going to be a blast. But to wrap things up here, I'm looking forward to the Cowboys and the Vikings. I think that's going to be a very competitive matchup. I think it might be a one-score game, but that's just me. And I mean, given Minnesota's history, it'll probably be a one-score game. Probably so. And a fun fact, Monday night, the 49ers and the Cardinals will be playing on Monday um, in Mexico City. They will. That they will. They will be playing in Mexico City. So, fun fact there, too. I'm not sure how that Kind of snuck up on people. Like, a lot of people didn't realize that that game was being played in Mexico City. Because it feels like they really advertised the London games. They really advertised the Munich game. But not a lot of people realize that there was going to be a Mexico City game. <laughs> yeah. They, they do a lot internationally now. Well, they're trying to expand the game, you know? Absolutely. And a lot of fans from those areas are really buying in. You saw Munich, but they have a good soccer yeah, fan base too. So, you know, they're going to do the same for when the NFL comes to town and London's slowly but surely getting bigger. I'm not really sure about Mexico City, too, but I, I think it's oh, cool. my boy, the Mexico, they go crazy. All right. Let's see how crazy they get on Monday night, then. I don't know how crazy they're going to get. It's the Cardinals. Come on, let's be honest here. Carlos, always a pleasure chopping you, uh, chopping it up with you on another edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast. Love you, my brother, and uh, we'll be in touch uh, for next week's show. But yeah, we gotta, I'm yeah, we gotta figure all that out. <laughs> yeah, we, we we gotta do a lot of logistics, probably a couple board meetings, a couple executive. Next week is gonna be. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But folks, you can check us out at www.kirbyonsports.com. All streaming platforms, all social media platforms. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube page. Give us a five-star rating on your podcast platforms. Thank you to our sponsors, PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitives, Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, Mark Francis with Icon Real Estate, and Barrett Pest and Termite Services for their continued support of the Kirby on Sports podcast. Until the next time you hear us or see us, always remember to create greatness. And we say so long and peace out. <laughs>